This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Concurring, nothing personal, word of the day, June 22nd, 18th birthday of my youngest child, my son, 18. Used to be a big deal to turn 18, but now that it's 21, is 18 a big deal? I guess maybe you can vote. That's a good one. Reminds me of Anthony Michael Hall in Breakfast Club. He uses his fake ID so he can vote. I'm not sure my son uses his fake ID for that. June 22nd. Word of the day is concurring. We're talking about the Supreme Court of the United States. We're going to do a primer here on Nothing Personal because you're seeing a lot. Breaking news everywhere. Every single news network, every sports station, every show, they're talking to you about this case. And I want to break it down in a way that you can not just understand it, but you can realize what it actually means and more importantly, what it doesn't mean. So way back in, I don't know when it was, was it April? There were oral arguments in a lawsuit where a district, here's how it works. Let me actually, I'm going to go back, Coca, a little bit because I think it's important. The Supreme Court of the United States is comprised of nine justices currently. That's the number. They decide what cases they want to hear, and the cases they want to hear are based on cases at the district court level, which is the highest appeals court on the federal side, and they decide, do I want to hear this case? Meaning the people who lose at the level below, they can appeal to the Supreme Court to say, hey, we've lost, we appealed, we lost, we won, the the other side appealed, then we lost. Either way, we lost. Is there any chance that you will hear the case and then maybe rule in our favor? The Supreme Court gets to decide without giving any reason at all. It's a whole system they have. What cases they want to hear. They agreed to hear a case involving the NCAA, not involving name image likeness, not involving pain of players. The case that they heard where there were oral arguments in April, The way the Supreme Court works is they say they're going to hear a case. Great. Then each side writes what's called a brief. They write a long document where they cite previous cases. They talk about what they want to have the Supreme Court do. 
They submit the briefs to the Supreme Court. And then there's something called oral arguments where you stand up in front of nine people or on Zoom, but now it may be back in person and they get to ask you questions, the justices, or you just present your side of the case and why you should win. The oral argument for this NCAA versus Halston case took place on April 2nd. After that, the justices get together. They sort of decide who's gonna write the opinion. They do a vote of where it's gonna come out. And then an opinion gets written. If you're on the losing side of a Supreme Court opinion, if you're a justice who didn't vote with the majority, you can also write an opinion that's called a dissenting opinion. I dissent from what my fellow justices have decided in this case. If you totally agree with what happened, you can write and get assigned to write the majority opinion. That is the opinion that is then the holding of the case. A holding of a case is what future people look back and say, hey, that case that day, this is what the court decided and this is what they meant to decide. That's called the holding of a case. If you don't write the majority opinion, but you do agree with the majority, but you've got a different take on why you agreed with the majority, you can write something called a concurring opinion. A concurring opinion means I concur, I agree. However, there's a few things that were not discussed in the majority opinion. There's a few things that were not discussed in this case, but I wanna write about it because I like to write. So that's sort of the background of how the Supreme Court works, very general terms. So on April 2nd, there were all arguments in this case, NCA versus Halston, and the opinion was released yesterday. A nine nothing case. Forget if you are liberal, forget if you are conservative, the score, which is often five, four, six, three, once in a while you get a seven, two, just for fun, nine nothing, unanimous. A justice named Gorsuch wrote the opinion, but one of the newer justices, the second newest justice named Kavanaugh, by the way, great party trick, can you name all nine Supreme Court justices? Kavanaugh wrote what's called a concurring opinion. I'm gonna talk quite a bit about that concurring opinion, but first I wanna explain exactly what was decided by the Supreme Court. The lower court was hearing a case based on a player who wanted to get paid to play, not the sport. He didn't want to get paid to play the sport. He wanted to get paid for something called, quote unquote, educational benefits. He wanted to get a computer. He wanted to get an internship, a stipend, something that is tied directly to his education. The NCAA said, no, we do not agree that anybody who is an athlete, a student athlete, should get paid for anything. That has been our rule forever. We are gonna protect that rule. Student athletes do not get paid. Lawsuit. The district court found, we actually believe that it is okay for this West Virginia player, his name was Austin, to get an educational benefit. NCA said, we don't agree. We're gonna appeal to the Supreme Court. Keep in mind during the course of this conversation, 
The only reason the Supreme Court heard this case, decided this case, wrote an opinion on this case, is that the NCAA, the losing party at the highest level below the Supreme Court, lost. And they said, we don't want to accept this loss. We're going to try to go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court then decided that the lower court was correct. They upheld the lower court ruling, the district court ruling, saying that Alston may receive educational benefits, but that is all they decided. There was not one decision made on whether or not college athletes should get paid a salary. There was not a decision made whether college athletes should get paid for their name, image, and likeness. There was not a decision made that college athletes should have the right to unionize. There was not a decision made that college athletes should have the right to unionize. None of that was part of this case. None of it. The reason why you are reading so many articles about, quote, the end of amateurism, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That's what everybody's saying. It's the catchword for people who want to sound smart. This is the end of amateurism. It's been a long time coming. No, that is not what happened in the Supreme Court of the United States yesterday. Schools are now allowed to give players items that are related to their education. Hard stop. I want you to picture, if you don't mind, someone like Bryce Young. Bryce Young is the quarterback for a school that Nick Saban coaches in Alabama. Can you imagine? Bryce Young walks in. He says, hey, coach, give me a break. Help me. I'm going to need 17 MacBooks, 14 desktops, 25 pairs of AirPods, and 69 cell phones. It's all for my major because I need to have computers wherever I am. And I'm always on the phone. I got burner phones. I got people calling me. I need a lot of phones, but it's because of what I'm studying. I don't even know what he's studying. And then Bryce Young sets up a food truck, and he sells them all except one and keeps the cash. Would Nick Saban do that? <laughs> You're damn right he would. Do you think that schools are going to try to get an advantage in recruiting by offering quote unquote educational benefits that are then going to be litigated because other schools may say that's a violation. The NCAA may say to a member school, that's a violation. A player may say, I'm suing the school because I want an educational benefit that's clearly an educational benefit that they're saying is not an educational benefit. For the record, could a car be an educational benefit? What if you need a car to get to an internship that is for your education? What if you need a private plane? Yes, I go to Alabama, but my internship, it's shocking, I know, it's in Vegas. I know that's crazy, but I got to get to Vegas. I can't fly commercially. I got to fly on a private plane. Get me a plane. It's for my education. Do you see where I'm headed here? It's an absolute cluster duck what's going on now in the NCAA. And the Supreme Court did nothing to make anything better. But then Brett Kavanaugh wrote a concurring opinion.
Hence my word of the day, our word of the day, me and Coca's word of the day. Kavanaugh, in his concurring opinion, which is not a terrible read, might I add. I mean, it's better for you than Ambien. Basically told future players and future agents. I'm winking if you're not watching this on YouTube because you're not allowed to have an agent because you're an amateur, but they all do. Family counselors, they're called. Family friends. I'll give you some advice. Kavanaugh basically gave an indication that if another case were to get to the Supreme Court, it would be very hard to argue that what the NCAA is doing by not paying its players is a violation of the antitrust laws. And he gave examples. The NCAA argued, we don't pay them because fans love the game and they love the amateurness of the players in the game. Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh said, that's like saying we'd rather have a low paid cook because we don't want to have good food. Or he said, I'd rather have unpaid or low paid pilots because I want in the name of amateur flying, let's say. He gave a list of examples, but his main point was there is no reason to think that the way the NCAA does business is legal in any way. We can't opine on it because that's not the case. When you're in the Supreme Court, there's a specific case, there's a specific request, there's a specific litigation that's going on, and the Supreme Court is not gonna make a ruling on NIL or money or unions or anything else when they're only supposed to rule on educational benefits. But he basically said, NCAA, you are screwed. So now the NCAA is chasing its tail, trying to figure out what they're going to do. And for all of you people out there who have been crying for so many years, how unfair it is that commissioners in the conferences make seven figures, coaches make 10 figures, all of these assistant coaches and strength and training and all these people make all this money and these players make zero. And you've all been complaining about it, saying it's not fair. Players deserve to get paid. Schools are making tens of millions of dollars on the backs of these players, comparing it to slavery and other such things I've read, which absolutely drives me insane. So guess what's going to happen if you all get your wish? Because let's play this out a little bit going forward. Another lawsuit is filed by Bryce Young saying, I want to get paid. Alabama makes a fortune. What are they in, Coca, the SEC? I can't remember what conference they're in, but does it really matter? I think it's the SEC. I want to get paid. Alabama says no, because it's a violation of the rules, even though we all know what's going on on the side, but I, I want to get paid up front. I want W-2 income. Like they don't really want a briefcase full of cash. Give me a break. I wonder if these players pay taxes on all the benefits they get. No mention what the tax issue is when you get an educational benefit, quote unquote. I'm not practicing tax law here, but I do believe that when you get a something that you have to pay for it, it's a benefit. Hence the word benefit. Remember we talked about Oprah giving away cars and people had to pay tax on the cars. Same thing. When you give cash, and if you don't declare it as income, then you're breaking the law and you become Wesley Snipes. So Bryce Young could say, hey, I wanna get paid. NCA says no, he sues, it goes up to the Supreme Court. And then the Supreme Court says, listen, pay your players. 
So guess what happens when college players start getting paid? What would be your first guess? What happened during COVID that made everyone crazy? Remember when all these colleges were losing all this money because they weren't getting their broadcast money, there were no fans in the stands, et cetera. And what Stanford and several other schools did temporarily until they got boosters to make up for the budget shortfall, they cut other sports. Let's just say baseball, water polo, field hockey, volleyball, pick your sport, track and field, choose your sport. If college players become paid, that means the colleges are going to have to run a team. They're going to have to hire a GM, forget an athletic director, forget a coach. There's going to have to be a GM who submits a payroll to his president or his chancellor. That payroll will be approved. That payroll then be allocated to players. The best recruits out of high school will get the majority of the payroll. The mediocre players, the fillers will get a minimum. In theory, there'll be a negotiation for what the college minimum will be. Schools will have to decide, do they want to be profitable or not? And mark my words, every division one, division two, and division three school will demand that their athletic department is a profit center. Now, you can make up for cash deficiencies through donations. No question about it. But if you think for one second that the way colleges recruit and the way super teams act will not continue to widen the gulf between the teams that you love to hate that seem to win it all, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, et cetera. If you think that the gap will not widen, then you're not correctly focused. Because the teams with the bigger broadcast deals, the teams with the higher revenue, the teams like Notre Dame with the ability to have 250,000 people in their stadium and have a big broadcast deal, they are the ones that will have the most money. And that money is going to go to players to play for their team, football team, basketball team. And you know what? The money that is generated now by not paying the players goes to support the rest of the athletic department and the rest of the teams. When that money now has to go to the players playing on the teams in order to make sure that those teams continue to generate the level of revenue they're currently generating. If you've got a child playing water polo, or you've made up the fact that your child plays water polo or crew or track, it's going to be over. There's going to be a complete condensing contraction of college athletics. Maybe it's what you want. I really cannot opine as to what you believe you want. I just know that you all believe it's not fair. So now what does the NCAA do? Other than to me, they should have gotten rid of Mark Emmert. He's been an absolute disaster. The board of governors of the NCAA, they are all incompetent. They should not under any circumstance have let this case go to the Supreme Court because they opened themselves up to exactly what just happened, where Brett Kavanaugh was able to give a roadmap to future litigants. Idiot, not Kavanaugh, Emmert. I've never met him. I can't opine as to whether he's a good father, good husband, good brother, good uncle, good friend. Not very good at being a president of the NCAA. I'm fairly certain I can say that. So the NCA has to get together right now, and they're trying to get a legislative response to not just what the Supreme Court did, but to all of the other issues in college athletics like NIL. 
What's happening is that as of July 1st, there's a few states that have changed laws saying that college athletes in our state may make money on their name, image, and likeness. What the NCAA is saying, that's not fair because if only a few states do it, those states will have an advantage over schools and states that don't do it. And it's going to be a little bit like the Wild West. So what the NCAA is doing is they're going to Washington and they're working with the Senate and the House and they're trying to get a bill passed, three forms of government, right? Executive, judicial, legislative. They're trying to get the legislative branch to pass a law outlining the rules that will be used by all members of the NCAA in order for players to both capitalize on their NIL, but to make it so these colleges can continue to run the business the way they have. So far, the Senate and the House have not been able to agree on any sort of bill. They have not even put a bill forth for a vote on what that law would look like. And what they're doing is they're letting the judicial branch run the show. That's what the legislative branch is saying to their staff. Hey, let the Supreme Court decide. Let's sort of just stay out of this. The NCAA is saying, no, no, please stay in this because we can't have just Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, New Mexico, and Texas doing NIL. It's a bad plan. Please help us. But no, Congress isn't going to help. They're just not. And you know what? The Supreme Court's going to have to act again because they're going to hear another case. On April 2nd of 2021, when there were oral arguments in this case and you all thought that there'd be an immediate decision, we had a wait to see. Wait to see is when we say something's going to happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. We said the Supreme Court will not rule until the summer, so everyone relax. Guess what? They ruled on the summer solstice. That's a yes. I then said the NCAA will prevail in this case. I was only off by nine justices. I could argue that the NCAA did prevail because all that happened was a tiny little crack in their amateurism by the ability for players to get educational benefits. But I'm going to take the no on that part of the way to see because I could argue the NCAA appealed to the Supreme Court, Halston prevailed, which means I lost that wait to see. But I'm going to double up with the next wait to see about this very topic, and we're going to keep track. Congress will not act on this issue, and they're going to leave it up to the courts to decide. And that is an indictment on the partisanship in the House and in the Senate. It's an indictment on the difficulty in getting any sort of legislation passed. And the bad part is for the NCAA, when SCOTUS gets involved again, the road to amateurism will continue. But what happened yesterday, takeaway time, what happened yesterday was not the end of amateurism. It was the beginning of Bryce Young selling laptops out of his food truck. All right, the NBA has about 25 coaching openings and interviews have begun. And one of you asked me a question yesterday. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. 
so you want to talk to Samson, get on Twitter right now, please. David P. Samson. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow me on Instagram, but it's better on Twitter. David P. Samson. Get into the DMs and ask a question. And we address it during the show as much as we can. This is a sensitive question, but the thing about nothing personal is we come to you for 45 minutes a day, every day. Eventually, I'm going to have to take a little vacation, right, Coca? But we come to you every day. And we tell it like it is. We explain what's going on in the world of sports, culture, entertainment, politics. And when you ask me a question, I'm going to answer it. Would you hire a female manager? You're asking about baseball because I was the president of a team for 18 years, 16 with the Marlins, executive vice president with the Expos for two years, but no one above me but the owner. I just wasn't allowed to be called the president under the agreement with the local Canadian partners but I was, ha, 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 we gotcha. And the reason you're asking that question, I assume, is that there were a lot of articles yesterday about Becky Hammond, who is the San Antonio Spurs assistant coach who Greg Popovich brought in, a dollar, if you can tell me when, without looking, seven seasons she's been an assistant coach. That can't be right, Coca. Is it really seven seasons? Will you check that, please? That is an unbelievable amount of time. That means she started in 2015. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. OMG. 14, she was hired, which means that's eight seasons now. Anyway, she's been an assistant coach for a long time. She's been interviewing and has never gotten a head coaching job, but she's a finalist along with Chauncey Bullops purportedly and Mike D'Antoni for the Trailblazers job. I was going to say the Trailblazers blah because... I'm talking straight for 45 minutes. Say that five times quickly. The trailblazer's job. Side note, when you read about who the finalists are for a managerial job, that can come from the team. It can come from the interviewers. It can come from the interviewees. It can come from the agents of the coaches and the assistant coaches because they all have agents. But remember what you know about leaks is when we think we know who we're going to hire, we may leak that we're interviewing all these different people so we can make it look like we're following all the rules of who to interview, when to interview them, and that we're not just giving it to someone or that for whatever reason, we don't want the person who's going to win to know he's going to win because then it's going to be a problem in the negotiation of the salary. Unless, of course, you've already promised the guy's salary, in which case there is no negotiation. So we have no way to know that Becky Hammond and Chauncey Billups are, along with Mike D'Antoni, the former Knicks and Suns coach, we have now an assistant somewhere. We have no way of knowing whether or not those are the three finalists. But let's pretend they are. Will Becky Hammond get a job being an NBA coach? Maybe, but not this year. Would I hire a female manager? Maybe, but not today. And I want to explain why I'm a no now, because I understand there are many, many women who are listening to nothing personal. And I appreciate you. You know, I'm not a misogynist. You know, I'm all about equality. You know that. And you know, I love women. And I mean, I, I love people. I want qualified people. I've always told you, I want the person the most qualified. I told you, I don't look at color. I don't look at height. I don't look at weight. I want the person who is the most qualified person 
to do the job to help me win games. And now comes the hard part. There is not a woman in baseball today in uniform who is qualified over every single other candidate to be the manager of a major league baseball team. There may be women who are now coaching who would be able to manage in the minor leagues. But remember, in baseball and in all male sports, while we are all about inclusion, and we're going to talk later about what Carl Nassib announced, he announced that he was gay, first active NFL player to do so. We'll talk about that after the break. But right now inside a clubhouse, I find it hard to believe that MLB players would be able to properly learn and respect a manager in the way they have to, to have a winning team. That doesn't mean it's never going to happen. It doesn't mean we can't help it happen. And here's how we do it. And I want to make sure you understand where I'm coming from. There should be, remember, Kim Mang was just named the first female GM. She's in the clubhouse, but she's not on the bench. She's on the road with the team. She's in the room where trades happen, where negotiations happen, where signs happen, even though she doesn't have the final say. But that was national news. Groundbreaking to finally have a female GM. Kim Ang was the most qualified for what Derek Jeter wanted, which is why she got hired. Benefit, there was tremendous national PR. And it was not going to impact the play on the field because Jeter and Denbo are making the decisions, not Kim. Even though in baseball, managers do not have the power they used to have to make decisions, to make lineups because the front office is doing it. The most important role to be a successful manager is the ability to manage your players and manage your front office. Women are right now ready to manage up, but to manage down and to manage your players, you have to be in the clubhouse. You have to be around them. And I don't believe players are ready right now. So what would I do? I would start having more women, qualified women, around the players more often inside the clubhouse, which is what is happening with GMs. Then I would start, because it happened with trainers, and I would keep that going. There are female trainers. The next step will be an in-uniform female coach at the major league level. Right now, there are female coaches, assistant hitting coaches, minor league hitting coaches. That has started, but it's going to progress. And as players start coming up through the minor league system and realizing that my single A manager was a woman because she used to be my hitting coach and then became my manager, and now I'm in double A, now I'm in triple A, now I'm in the big leagues. I'm going to get criticized right now for saying that big league players aren't evolved enough 
And it's me as the president, not you as the player. It's me as the president saying, there's got to be an organized way that we bring women into uniform onto the bench so that it doesn't become the distraction that it was when you hire a female GM or a female someone in that position where that becomes a huge part of the story. When I hire a manager, I want that to not be the story. I want it to be seamless. And this is not about a glass ceiling. This is about how you introduce new things into your business. And you do it over time. MLB is working on this. They are getting more qualified minorities. They're getting more qualified women. And they're getting them into feeder positions that will eventually end up with a manager in the big leagues. But we're not there. Basketball is way ahead of that because there are females on the bench. There are females on the bench going back to the clubhouse. But is there an owner out there that's ready to make Becky Hammond a head coach or is she going to continue interviewing? The answer is for this season, she's going to continue interviewing. I do not believe that there is a team that right now will make her the head coach, which does not mean she's not deserving. What it means is that it's not yet. And the path that she's forging, she may be forging it for the next female assistant coach who works her way up to be the head coach. Make no mistake, when the clock turns to 2027, there will be female head coaches of male teams, and it'll be common. Let me ask you in your high school, in your college, are there males who coach female teams? Yes or no? I'd argue, yes, happened in my high school. Are there females who coach male teams? You don't see that as much, if at all. But that will start to happen, and it's going to move up the athletic chain, high school, to college, to minor leagues, to major leagues. It's happening, so get ready. Okay. After the break, we are going to review a movie and then talk about what happened in the NFL yesterday. We will be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 
21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. You found us. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, subscribing, and telling your friends. That's the most important thing. Let's keep going. One of my favorite things I get to do every day is watch a movie and review it for you. I paid the $19.99. Coca and I will never agree on this for whatever reason. He won't pay the $19.99. He'll take a date to the movies, but why wouldn't you have a date in your apartment and then buy a movie because A, you're already alone. B, there's no like popcorn on the seat and there's no germs and you'd pay 10 bucks a ticket. So I paid $19.99 to watch Jason. Damn it. What's his name, Coca? Statham, 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 Straythorn? Stay thumb. I like him. He's been in great movies, Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrels. He was in Snatch. He was in The Expendables. He was in The Italian Job. You know him. Jason Statham. It's called Wrath of Man. It's about a guy who is not necessarily a good guy, but he's a good dad. He's involved in some nefarious criminal activity, and something happens that causes him to have the wrath of man. He has to get a job where he's way overqualified. Josh Hartnett is his partner who looks at him and says, wow, you don't belong on this job. It would be Jacob DeGrom getting a job pitching for a single A team, not while he's on rehab. He just doesn't belong. Andy Garcia is in the movie, one of my favorite actors. Flex time, one of the great guys out there. He plays a federal agent and it's a very interesting movie. It is definitely an action movie, but there is a point to the story. First of all, so many movies have to do with robberies and stealing and crime. I get it, but it makes it seem sexy, right? If you're Jason Statham and you're doing stuff and you're shooting people and you've got the ability to shoot people from you know, 100 feet away, right between the eyes, I just feel like, does it give people bad ideas? There was a, a movie that is my number two movie. I think it's called uh, Grand Canyon. I don't think it's called, I think it's number two. Grand Canyon, sorry about this, Coco, but it's a side story. Grand Canyon stars Steve Martin, Danny Glover, Kevin Klein, Mary McDonnell, et cetera. And Steve Martin plays a Hollywood executive and he makes gory movies like total saw massacre movies where people are being sawed in half and people are shooting people and there's death and destruction. And he's asked, why do you make these movies? Do you not think this makes our society more violent? And Steve Martin says, no, no, my movies don't create the violence. My movies reflect the violence. I guess that's what Wrath of Man is. It's not really nice if that's what we're reflecting. Okay, nothing personal pick of the day. It's a winner. We had DeGrom beating the Braves. DeGrom has a 0.5 ERA. Can you believe that? Did you watch DeGrom get checked for substances, Coca? He walked off the field after the first inning yesterday. It was the first day of substance checks. There was no Coke, no weed, no, no heroin, no Molly, nothing. They looked for a little KY smelly under his belt, under his hat. 
his glove, and then he kept going to the dugout. Bunch of pitchers got checked yesterday. It is ridiculous. If MLB continue, they can't continue this. It's absurd. It, 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 it looks like second grade. Hey, it's like when you're going into a movie, you have to sneak the pop candy like in your pocketbook or in your pocket, but you're making all this noise because you don't want to pay $7.50 for the water and you get checked by the usher who's some teenager. Anyway, we had the Mets beating the Braves, so we're 82 and 63. I should mention that we had the Reds beating the Twins in that loss, which is disappointing. Extra innings. I got taken away by extra innings. So we're still 19 over, one and one. NBA Conference Finals continue tonight. Western Conference Finals, that is, because the Eastern Conference Finals haven't even started. The Suns are up one nothing, having beaten the Clippers by six, so they made the line six. Tonight ends just like the last series that the Clippers were in against the Jazz with the Clippers in a 2-0 hole. But wait, keep listening. I'm taking the six points. I think it'll be a bit of a closer game, even though, as you know, I'm not a huge Paul George guy. And I'm really loving Devin Booker. I'm really loving this Suns team. I'm loving Monty Williams as a former Nick who's overcome the worst possible tragedy you can overcome. Uh, tied for the worst. And uh, one coach of the year, actually. But I'm taking the Clippers plus six. But I think the Suns win the game. Okay. Let's talk about Carl Nassib. Who got the alert? Tell me. Anybody? Everybody? Everybody did, right? First active NFL player to come out as gay. Carl Nassib went on his Instagram and did a video where he acknowledged that he was gay. And he said, I feel now I've got the strength and I wanted to do it to let people know I'm an NFL player and I'm gay. It's Pride Month. He then said that he was donating $100,000 to a charity called The Trevor Project, which basically is in place to stop the suicide of kids and teenagers who are in the LGBTQ community because so many of the people in this world, nobody listening to this show, I hope, so many people are so prejudiced, so racist, and such assholes that they make people feel badly about who they are and who they love. It's not like they're shooting anybody. They're just trying to be comfortable in their own skin. And what bothered me about yesterday is that when a player comes out, 18 years, ask the question. I'll save you from the so you want to talk to Samson. Were there any gay players on any of the 18 teams where I was the president? Yes. Was I aware of any of the players who were gay? Yes. Did it matter to me that any players were gay? No. Were there any shower incidences? No. Was there any racism in terms of, it's not sexism, I guess? No. Did I ever sign a player because he was gay? No. Did I ever trade a player because he was gay? No. Did I ever release a player because he was gay? No. Released a player because they couldn't play anymore. But the reason why this was in the New York Times and on Fox and on CNN, no matter what side of the aisle you were on, is because Carl Nassib is the first ever active player in the NFL to say he's gay. I think Michael Sam acknowledged after his career was over. The NFL was forced to make a statement. Can you imagine? 
The NFL family is proud of Carl for courageously sharing his truth today. Representation matters. We share his hope that someday soon, statements like his will no longer be newsworthy as we march toward full equality for the LGBTQ community. We wish Carl the best of luck this coming season. I love the NFL release what they released. I love how quickly they released it, but I wanted the statement to be a little different. Instead of saying that we hope that statements like this will no longer be newsworthy, say it. In the NFL, we have an atmosphere where statements like this are not necessary. We have diversity, equity, and inclusion in a way that other leagues don't, where we make sure that everybody, regardless of sexual orientation, gender, color, size, they are comfortable from the beginning. Whether they choose to keep their sexual preference private is totally up to them and we respect it, but our league, our league has always and will continue to be inclusive. But the sad part is they couldn't do a statement like that because no league can, because it is such a sensitive issue where you all, all of us, me included, we read the breaking news and we say to ourselves, wow, I wonder whether it's uncomfortable for his teammates in Las Vegas in the shower. I wonder whether or not he likes looking at his teammates naked. All of the things that we would say that are so ridiculous because in the real world, when you are gay, you don't walk around oogling any more or less than when you are heterosexual or bisexual or transsexual or pansexual or asexual. That is the whole point, isn't it? There is no difference. But Nassib felt that he wanted to start. And everyone who starts, they are, have the burden upon them, the weight of being the first. And it's not just about revealing your orientation. Anyone who's a trailblazer, you're not following the road most traveled. By definition, you need special tires you need special shoes because the path has not been made. You are forging the path. You are a leader. What happens when you lead someone into battle? Generally, the first one to get hit by fire, right? Wouldn't it be great if we had a society where no one had a lead like that, where it wasn't necessary when it came to a gender preference or reveal or what your sexual preference is? That is where I think we are headed. I do not believe that what Nassib did is going to open the floodgates of more players to come out. But what I'm hoping is that through Pride Month and through awareness and tolerance and having old intolerant people die and younger people get older who are always tolerant. This has been my hope for the getting rid of racism too. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. God, I hope so. But as we are populated by people where this is not newsworthy, that's when it becomes not newsworthy. But when it becomes something that makes it like a roadside circus attraction, that's why it's gonna be breaking news. And the more you click on the breaking news, 
the more it is breaking news and the next one will be breaking news too. If you read your alert and did what I did, I dismissed it. I don't want the news outlets who are sending me breaking news that Nassib revealed that he's gay. I don't wanna give the click to make them think that to me it's breaking news. When you're in the game, you know very well what's breaking news and what's not. And now you do too. You know how this all works. The way alerts work, you're aware of. How leagues work, you're aware of. They base it all on business. When it comes to something like what Nassib did yesterday, let's not make it personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.